Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining the podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Big Rocket Man meets Little Rocket Man. Oh, man, can you imagine what that summit is going to be like? Hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Friday. Good to see you today. And thank you for joining us. It is the Bill Press Show on this Friday edition with lots and lots to talk about, including this surprise announcement yesterday from the White House. Everything's a surprise at the White House. Uh, doesn't seem to be any planning or any forethought into anything that uh, happens. And this is one classic example. The Secretary of State didn't even know that the president was going to announce yesterday that he has agreed to sit down in talks with North Korea's Kim Jong-un and to do so before the end of, or before May, I guess, sometime in March or this month or April, to talk about rushing into things. That's certainly the big story of the day as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. We're also going to be looking at uh, the fact that uh, Corey Lewandowski testified yesterday in front of the House Intelligence Committee for um, 12 hours. Yeah, I think they might have something on him or he's got something they want to know about. And Donald Trump, uh, when he wasn't announcing uh, 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 summits with world leaders yesterday, uh, signed those tariffs, which he threatened to do leaving tariffs on steel and aluminum, leaving Mexico and Canada for the time being out of the loop. And you thought that $35,000 table, a uh, little dining set for Ben Carson, was bad news? <clears throat> Where do you see Ryan Zinke's $139,000 door? Yeah, damn, take the door and damn door down for that much money. Uh, what do you say? It is the Bill Press Show. We want to hear from you, your comments on the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. And we dive right in, but first. 
This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Okay, so you just mentioned the Ryan Zinke situation. We have some details on what $139,000 gets you if you're getting a new door. This uh, <coughs> was rewarded to the uh, Conquest Solutions LLC, was the name of the company that replaced this door at the Department of the Interior. It, re- it, it is replacing three sets of double doors, including two that open onto a balcony and leak during rainstorms. An existing set of doors to Zinke's office from a hallway that did not have a lock will also be upgraded to new doors. So there you have it. Uh-huh. That's what a hundred. $39,000 will get you if you are replacing doors. Uh, I wonder if it went out to bid, number one. It did. You know, it, it actually did. did. Yeah. Uh, I could get it done cheaper. I could get it done for half the price. I've got a good contractor on the hill to do it yeah, for half the price. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, you can go to Mexico. They just have, like, beads. You know what I mean? Like sure. It's hanging down. You don't have to have a, sure. you know, a colossal door. I, I mean, I'm I dying to Big, see what these doors door. look like. Yeah. You know, for that <laughs> amount of money. Well, he may never see them because he may be going out that door pretty fast. Think of it this way. Yeah. yeah. He spent more money on doors than Donald Trump spent trying to get Stormy Daniels to keep her story quiet. Think about that. Right. Yeah. That's sort of. But besides, they shouldn't. <laughs> if they put any new door anywhere in the Trump administration, it should be a revolving door. <laughs> yeah. Or a one-way door. Or one- out. <laughs> The only way you can get out. Oh, by the way, Coca-Cola has been around for 132 <laughs> years. And in that whole time, they have never, ever done any alcoholic beverages until now. Oh. They announced that they are going rum to and Coke. start. Put, that's not a rum and Coke, but it's going to be a riff on shochu, which is very popular in Japan. And they are going to do a <laughs> basically a mix of Coca-Cola and showed you that you will have it. alcohol is pretty low, three point eight percent, and uh, they're they're going to start selling it in Japan only. And if it's popular, of course, that means it could roll out all around the world. Well, that really changes the image of Coke. Sure does, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, Coke is a great mixer for a lot of mixed drinks, but I, they've they've never actually done anything with it. Uh, I'm I'm telling you, I don't care whether you call it a Cuba Libre, Cuba Libre or a Nica Libre. Roman Coke's one of my favorites. This is the Bill Press Show. When uh, Little Rocket Man sits down with Big Rocket Man, what could happen? Oh, my God. Hey, fast your seatbelt, folks. We are in for another wild ride. When the um, foreign minister of South Korea, not the president, not the secretary of state, not the White House chief of staff, the foreign minister of South Korea... Announces yesterday that President Trump has agreed to, pardon me, to sit down before May with the leader of North Korea, Little Rocket Man and Big Rocket Man. There we go. What do you say, folks? Great to see you. Friday, May, uh, May, I wish, March 9. It is the Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., where we all run fastest trying to keep up with the latest news out of the White House. As we told you before, we always have our um, conference call about 5 o'clock just to put the program together for the next morning. Okay, here are the guests. Here are the issues. Here's what's happening. Here's what we're going to talk about. 
And nine times out of nine, and last night is another classic example, nope, tear it all up, throw it away. We felt pretty confident where we were going with the show today. I, I thought we had it down. And then Donald Trump peeked, peeked into, did not go into, peeked into the briefing room yesterday and said, get ready, boys, there's, coming out. there's going to be a big announcement pretty soon. Tease, tease, tease. Donald Trump, TV producer, setting up, setting it up so that the South Korean foreign minister could make his announcement uh, and reveal what had happened uh, in his meeting with uh, President Trump. He could make that announcement from in front of the White House uh, about an hour later. Here we are in Washington, D.C. again at our na- on our nation's capital and right in the heart of the action on Capitol Hill. That's where it's happening. Come to Capitol Hill. You've got the Congress, you've got the Supreme Court, and you've got the Bill Press Show. That's what Capitol Hill is all about. <clears throat> we are the uh, tri- part of the triumvirate here of power on Capitol Hill. Uh, but reaching out to you and joining you wherever you are in this uh, great land of ours, coast to coast, uh, you want to talk about the issues of the day, you know what it mean, you want to know what it all means. Here is the place. So we're joining you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show, of course. Don't forget our podcast any all, any time of the day. Ch- tune into our podcast wherever you follow your podcast or go to BillPressShow.com. Uh, and um, you can catch up with the show or any part of the show you might have missed. We're also joining you on uh, television on Free Speech TV, coast to coast, and on the radio with the great WCPT out in Chicago and throughout the state of Indiana on Indiana Talks. Yes, that big story is uh, Donald Trump and the uh, upcoming summit with Kim Jong-un. The president also yesterday (coughs) signed an executive order carrying through on his promise last week to enact tariffs, uh, impose tariffs, we should say, on uh, uh, foreign steel and aluminum. Uh, he lets, left some wiggle room in that uh, announcement, which we will talk about uh, some wiggle room today and even more wiggle room tomorrow. Secretary of Interior, um, <clears throat> another member of the, the plutocracy who is using uh, the his position in the Trump administration uh, to either enrich himself or to live the fine life and let us taxpayers pay for it. And Corey Lewandowski, the Robert, uh, well, he's part of the Robert Mueller investigation, but yesterday uh, he was uh, in front of the House Intelligence Committee. We don't know what he said, but we do know that Democrats didn't feel that he said enough, even though he was there for 12 hours. So remember, let's start with uh, <clears throat> the big announcement. And, and I immediately thought about the fact when Barack Obama was running for president and he said, I'd be willing to meet with any leader anywhere on the planet. There, I mean, there was a period of time that he was going to meet with Castro. And there was like I remember Nelson Mandela's funeral. Uh, God, I can't remember which who it was that was at Mandela's funeral that, that Obama just shook his hand on stage. Yeah. Right. And people lost their minds. Yeah. No. And so when Obama said that, by the way, he was running against Hillary at the time. And Hillary said, just shows how naive he is that he says he would meet with anybody. Does that mean, does that, she was one of the ones who said, does that mean he'd meet with Castro, right? Yeah. Or would he meet with, you know, Saddam Hussein at the time or something like that? But, you know, when, so when Obama said it, it was, everybody said, oh my God, how could he do that, right? You can't just do that. You can't just meet with foreign leaders. You can't, there's some people not even, that you shouldn't even be seen in public with. Well, that was then. This is now. Donald Trump, after 
We've been in um, combat, if you will, verbal combat, anyhow, tense situation with North Korea for 70-some years, and everybody's tried to unravel this knot, uh, and Donald Trump just kind of cut through it yesterday. It is either, either a big, it is a big gamble, right? But it, is, it could go either way. It could be an incredible breakthrough, or it could totally blow up, and you know what? I tend to think it's going to be the latter, but you just don't know. But let's start out with the fact, right, that this is a guy that Donald Trump, of course, ridicules as Little Rocket Man. He's called him short and fat. Um, he, <laughs> he said that he promised to rain fire and fury on down on North Korea and destroy North Korea. So that's where Donald Trump comes from. Kim Jong-un, who may actually have gotten a better of that even verbal spat, called Donald Trump, Trump a lunatic, mean, old trickster, and human reject. Hell yeah. I love that. I right? love that. Yeah. Lunatic, mean, old trickster, and human reject. And then the two of them are going to sit down across the table. Now, this could be a Nixon to China moment, but let me tell you something. And I've talked to Pat Buchanan, who was on that trip. And it was all part of the planning for that trip. That Nixon and China moment, first of all, it was on the part of Richard Nixon, whatever you think of him as an American president, he was a master and an expert in foreign policy. He'd been involved in it his entire career. He knew the history. He knew what he was talking about. He knew all the major players. He surrounded himself with people um, Henry Kissinger, foremost among them. Uh, and they worked months planning for that meeting between Richard Nixon and uh, and um, uh, Mao Zedong at the time. I think it was Mao at the time, or maybe not. But Cho and Lai, I don't know, go, go back in history. I, I know our side of it, not their side of it. Um, unlike Donald Trump, who knows nothing about foreign policy, and unlike the Nixon administration putting all this time into it and figuring out what we're going to get for what we're giving them. And what we're giving, let's, let's make no bones about it. What we're giving Kim Jong-un is what he has always wanted, to be taken seriously. He has never met with a world leader. No world leader has ever deigned meet with this little, you know, short and fat leader. Um and just the picture, what he's always wanted is that picture of him standing alongside of a president of the United, any world leader, but particularly a president of the United States. And we're giving that to him. And what are we getting in return? Nothing. We don't know. That's the thing. Not necessarily. No but again, usually these things are worked out. I mean, look, I think it's a good idea for them to meet. Don't get me wrong. But I don't expect anything out of it the way Donald Trump operates. Because usually what you go ahead of time is say, okay, we're willing to consider this <clears throat> talks between the United States and North Korea. And we'll have some preliminary rounds of talks. And if those go well, this is the way it always works. If those go well, then we'll give you the big prize. We'll bring our big dog in, right? There are no preliminary talks. And so what we want is for them to give up they're, to they're nuclear weapons. Now that they've got 
nuclear weapons, to give it up and just go back to it being a non-nuclear power. I doubt very, very, very much that North Korea would ever agree to that. I can't imagine that they would. Knowing what we know, I can't imagine that they would. No, this is his pride and joy, Kim Jong-un, right? He goes out there for every test and sits there at that little desk with his binoculars watching the missiles go off, right? Yeah. So, yes, he's agreed that, okay, the South Korean and uh, U.S. military exercises— as soon as the Special Olympics over, are going to go on as planned. He said, fine, you know, you can go ahead and do that. And during that time, we won't, we won't do any nuclear testing, okay? All right, well, that's one thing, but that's not really where we, what we want and where we want to go. And we have no idea whether Kim Jong-un, that Kim Jong-un would go anywhere near where we want him to go. We do not know that ahead of time. We will not know that ahead of time. So um, I think the whole thing could be one giant photo op. And you know what? If it's one giant photo op, the guy who wins and may have already won is Kim Jong-un. I think that's right. I mean, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think he's already won. Yeah. I think the fact that we're talking about this, we're putting this into uh, uh, the terms that we're putting into, it's a win for him. And by the way, I'm not so sure this is even going to happen. Right, well, like well, that's uh, that's a that's a good point, and I think your cynicism is well uh, founded. Yeah, I mean, look, we were going to have a DACA bill. We didn't get a yeah. DACA bill. Donald Trump was going to do any number of things that he ended up never doing. Right, right. so yeah. it, I also have to say, I I was really disturbed isn't the right word, but I was concerned that the White House didn't make this announcement. No, no, absolutely. And again, this is the way Donald Trump operates, right? Yeah. So um, they're calling this at the White House, by the way, the art of the parentheses nuclear deal. Come on. Right. This is a deal maker coming to a new level. Well, again, Rex Tillerson, Secretary of State, had no idea. He's in Africa. He had no idea what was going to happen. White House staffers, just like the tariffs last week, they didn't know Trump was going to make this agreement in this meeting. They hadn't planned it ahead of time. This was not all set up. He caught them by surprise. People in Capitol Hill caught them all by surprise, right? And how did he do it? Donald Trump, when he agreed to do this, then he walks down from the Oval Office, which is just about, by the way, 100 feet, walks from the Oval Office down to the briefing room. Uh, there was no briefing going on. Reporters were just uh, you know, kind of in there like the way they normally are, sitting around. And he opens the door and peeks in and said, hey, just want you to know there's going to be a big announcement about North Korea coming up. Boom, closes the door. Uh, but, oh, well, before he does, somebody said, like John Carl from ABC News happened to be there and said, well, well, well what, what's going on? And Trump says, I hope you give me credit for this. That, that was his last word. That's I hope so, you give me credit for this. It's just so weird. Yeah, right. Right, like, as you pointed out, there's a lot of forethought that goes into these types of things. And then it's not from the press office. It's not from an ambassador. It's the president. It's the says, president. I have a. I, I'm announcing that today, after months of pre-negotiations, you know, I have agreed to sit down with Kim Jong Un because he's agreed to do this. Boom, boom. Right. Right. And we hope now to make a final deal to end this nuclear standoff with North Korea. Uh, again, I, I you, you can't be. I don't want to be totally negative because. If he pulls it off, damn right I'll give him credit. But the idea that he, being who he is, and the way this has come about, this is going to amount to anything substantive 
or anything real or even happen, uh, I got to tell you, I am a real skeptic. I, I think that's a, that's a really, really good point, right? Like if this, if something comes out of this, I agree. I think we need to just say he did a good job with this. We haven't yeah. had, we haven't had yeah. the opportunity to say that many times during his presidency yet. Okay, and for all the people that beat up on Barack Obama and said meeting with different world leaders is a bad idea, we said then, look, diplomacy should be the way forward mm-hmm. with just about anybody. Yeah. Right. So if they are actually able to get a, dip, a diplomatic win here, that would be great. I have very little confidence. Uh, yeah. I very uh, little confidence. I want it to succeed. I certainly would rather have him sitting down talking with Kim Jong Un than firing off verbal or real rockets at him, right? <laughs> right. right. Uh, at the same time, I want it to be done right in the right way. And the way this was done or is being done, uh, and now, by the way, what's going to happen between now and uh, this is not that May's not that far away, right? So who's going to be – who does he have around him even to help him do this or who would he listen to? We have a point person – or I'm sorry. We had a point person on North Korea who resigned and has not been replaced. So right now we have no point person on North Korea. We had an ambassador to South Korea under Barack Obama who has not been replaced. So now we have no ambassador – to South Korea, and no point person on North Korea, and it's all being done by Donald Trump himself. Uh, <clears throat> I am not confident. Uh, pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty scary to say the least. Uh, so think of it this way. For a talk like this, I mean, think about the World Summit. Think about Reagan and Gorbachev and, you know, um, Nixon and um, was Nixon. It was Khrushchev, right? Yeah, I mean, think about those classic big-time world summits, the prestige that the entire United States of America is on the line when our president sits down with the world, with any world leader, particularly someone with whom we are antagonistic and have, have had uh, uh, been threatening war against. And to think, to, put, to, 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 to trust the prestige of the United States to Donald J. Trump God, <laughs> just to hear those words come out of your mouth—that's um, a bridge too far for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Meanwhile, Donald Trump again um, signed the uh, tariffs. Yes, by the by the way, I think Bill Richardson, <clears throat> former Energy Secretary under President Clinton, former Governor of New Mexico, a real expert in negotiations, and and is and particularly with North Korea, he's been there many times. Uh, he issued a good warning yesterday. He knows these guys. Uh, you can't trust them. They'd made one with President Clinton, but for nine years they didn't build nuclear weapons. Then they went ahead and uh, got enriched uranium, broke the agreement. So you can't always trust them. Can't always trust them. Keep that in mind. By the way, I'd feel a lot better if uh, President Trump said, we want this to be a bipartisan deal, and I'm going to bring, bring R- Bill Richardson in. To help me out. I'd feel so much better. Yeah. If he were there, I'd say, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to make any big mistakes if, if Bill Richardson is there, as long as Donald Trump listened to him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, earlier in the day, before that, that the uh, president did follow through with his uh, promise or threat, depending on what you think about it, to go ahead with the uh, tariffs 
He did so by executive order. Again, Congress locked out of it, not not part of it at all. In fact, uh, 100 members of Republican members of Congress wrote a letter to the president asking him, begging him not to do it. Um, the president yesterday uh, said, OK, here's what these tariffs are all, pardon me, all about. We will have a 25 percent tariff on foreign steel and a 10 percent tariff on foreign aluminum. When the product comes across our borders. And for the time being, we're going to make a two big exemptions. Due to the unique nature of our relationship with Canada and Mexico, we're negotiating right now NAFTA. And we're going to hold off the tariff on those two countries to see whether or not we're able to make the deal on NAFTA. Okay, so Mexico and Canada are not included in the initial round. Originally, it was for 30 days. I'm not sure uh, whether there's a time set in the final. Uh, And the president said, okay, uh, they're not the only two. Uh, We're open to um, change and letting anybody else off the hook as long as uh, they'll make a deal with us. America will remain open to modifying or removing the tariffs for individual nations as long as we can agree on a way to ensure that their products no longer threaten our security. Okay, wise guys, I'll I'll leave I'll leave it up to you to figure that out. So, in other words, we are announcing tariffs on any foreign and uh, aluminum and steel, well, except for Mexico and Canada. Okay, and except for any other country that wants to get out, just let us know, and we'll let you out too. <laughs> um, very tough, very tough sanctions, very tough tariffs. Sounds to me like there's nothing there. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, right? But. Uh, that for what it is, for what it's worth, the piece of paper was signed yesterday. So Also, like, in that second clip where he talks about having other countries come to negotiate with us, it essentially sounds like he's just <laughs> opening up the door to oh, yeah. <laughs> any type of bribery you, like, they could come sure. up with, right? Sure. Like, yeah. Just, just you, you guys can figure it out. You, you, you can read between the lines of what Donald Trump is saying. But it sounds to me like he's saying, hey, if you've got enough money, we'll, we'll let you out of this deal. And uh, with the president yesterday, uh, standing with him, uh, Steve Mnuchin. By the way, is it, Steve Mnuchin drives me crazy. By the way, did you did you he, happen he, to see? He shines his shoes every morning. I'm telling you, <laughs> he, he does. He does. No, that's a, that's a really good he, way. He to shows it. up. He is. But anyhow, he was there, and um, and Wilbur Ross was because it happened. Well, it was just early afternoon, so he was still awake. <laughs> Wilbur Ross was there. But they didn't have a chair for Wilbur. They made him stand. I was I was so scared he was going to fall over. Yeah, right. And there were also some steel workers there uh, with their uh, work uniforms on and wearing hard hats. And, and one of them told, which I'm sure is true, is how tough it was when his dad comes home from the steel mill to say, we've been shut down. And uh, his dad, well, Donald Trump was, well, we'll let you hear it. I never forgot that looking into his eyes. In my household, what that does to a family. Your father, Herman, is looking down. He's very proud of you right now. Oh, he's still alive. Uh, Oh, he is? Well, then he's he's even more proud of you. Yeah, Herman's Herman's looking down on you. Yeah, right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, my dad, Herman. That's beautiful. (laughs) That's beautiful. Did you notice, by the way, that that after Donald Trump made his remarks, uh, he forgot to sign the, the stuff again? So Mnuchin was the guy that had to run over and get the paperwork. Mr. President, Mr. President, you have to sign, you, you have to actually do something. That used to be Ryan's previous job, right, remember? Right, right, right. Yeah, right. 
Priebus also, and then Priebus would read them to him so he knew what he had signed. <laughs> yeah, right. No <laughs> kidding. Uh, uh, but earlier in the day was a cabinet meeting. Uh, uh, not present at the signing of the tariffs was uh, the chief economic advisor outgoing, Gary Cohn, because Gary Cohn, uh, former head of Goldman Sachs, thinks this, these, this is a horrible idea. He um, um, warned the president not to do it, tried to talk him out of it. Uh, he was going to resign Gary Cohn after the comments in Charlottesville because he was so offended by them, uh, by this, uh, this statement that there's some very, very fine people among the KKK. Uh, and, but Gary Cohn said, no, as, as offended as I am by that, I'm still going to hang in here, going to hang in here for one reason only, to prevent this president <laughs> from imposing any tariffs because uh, that would be bad for the U.S. economy. Uh, well, so much for all that time he put in, so much for that sacrifice he made. The president just said, basically, Gary, not, I don't care. I'm going to do the tariffs anyway, at which point Gary Cohn did announce his resignation. Two days ago, he was sitting in, in the back row there, at uh, not at the table, but because uh, he's not a, officially a member of the cabinet, but he was in the cabinet room, and the president went out of his way uh, still to both praise and humiliate him uh, at the same time. He's going to go out and make another couple of hundred million, and then, <laughs> then he's going to maybe come back. He might come back, right? We'll be here. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, right. He's going to come back after that. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the, nothing anybody wants to do more than come back to a place where you've been humiliated. Over and over, over again. Over and yeah. over again. Right, yeah, right. I really want to rush back to that It's job. too bad Gary Cohn didn't say no effing way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but And then the president also pointing out that uh, – well, uh, uh, you know, he's a globalist, but. He may be a globalist, but I still like him. <laughs> he is seriously a globalist, there's no question. But you know what? In his own way, he's a nationalist because he loves our country. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, God. so you Gary, imagine that being your last day at work or whatever and, and your boss in front of everybody. Yeah, right. Just Cameras mocking rolling. you. Uh, Gary Cohn, he is out. Uh, again, we still have pending possible resignations from H.R. McMaster and Rex Tillerson. I guess John Kelly may be safe for now, but who knows? Uh, and um, then there's Ryan Zinke, the Interior Secretary. He's been in hot water before. You know, this whole game, it's, it's plutocracy. They are all in there with their just putting as much money in their pockets as they can, starting with all the Trump family, or um, using their position to enrich their surroundings and to fly first class like Scott Pruitt. Ryan Zinke's another one. So you've got, remember, Tom Price. Remember, Tom Price lost his seat, HHS secretary, because of his over-the-top travel expenses. Um, Ben Carson's been in trouble for that. No, I'm sorry, Scott Pruitt's been in trouble for that. The veterans secretary, Shulkin, is in trouble for that. Ryan Zinke in trouble for using all these private planes and, and helicopters to go on personal travel. And now Ryan Zinke, the interior secretary, in trouble for the 139,000 door, a couple of doors, I guess, that they're putting into the interior secretary's office. And it reminds us, of course, of what was it, a week ago that we had Ben Carson <clears throat> Yeah, uh, and they're putting a thirty-five thousand dollar dining room set into his office. Yeah, because he has to entertain so many people in his office, right? Like for all of the things that they said about Barack Obama and Barack Obama officials and, p- and things like that, there was none of this. There was none. No of gold this. breaking like this. None. Of none. This. No. 
So Ben Carson, of course, who oversaw cutting the public housing budget by 40, 50 percent uh, in terms of housing for low-income Americans, he still was willing to spend $35,000 until he was caught on a new dining room set for his office. And when it was revealed yesterday about Ryan Zinke's $139,000 door, the Interior, Sec- the Interior Department put out a statement identical to the one that we heard from Ben Carson's office that the secretary had no idea what was going on. He didn't know uh, anything about this door. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's not a yeah. good sign. Right. Really think so? Yeah. Anyhow, we got lots and lots and lots to uh, talk about, and we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Don't forget, your comments on Little Rocket Man versus Big Rocket Man or on the tariffs or whatever, uh, send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Melanie Zanona, staff writer for The Hill, joins us next here on this Friday edition of The Bill Press Show. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Here we are on a Friday, Friday, March 9. Welcome back, everybody, to The Bill Press Show. Lots and lots to talk about today with a big announcement from the White House yesterday. Surprise announcement, surprised even the State Department, that uh, Donald Trump has agreed to sit down across the table with the leader of uh, North Korea. Big Rocket Man meets Little Rocket Man, uh, and we'll see what happens. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C. again, brought to you today by the International Association of Calum, the Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers Union. Put them all together, you got the Smart Union under President Joseph Kellers, and the good members of the Smart Union giving a fair day's work for a fair day's pay every day. You bet. Check out their website at smart union. Dot org, And while you're at it, let me remind you, we're getting close to publication date of my new book, From the Left, Life in the Crossfire. It's been a, been a, uh, a wild, fun ride so far. I uh, wanted to tell you all about it from my days uh, either in the seminary, that's where I started out right after high school, or then going to California, getting involved in politics, uh, working as Jerry Brown's policy advisor, chair of the Dem- California Democratic Party. Coming back here to Washington with uh, Crossfire and Buchanan and Press on MSNBC, and of course the uh, the Bill Press Show. Uh, lots of good, lots of good times here. Lots of interesting experiences. Uh, a blurb on the front from Bernie Sanders. Blurbs on the back from Nancy Pelosi, Jerry Brown, Rosa DeLauro, Maxine Waters, Cenk Uger from the Young Turks, and a few friends on the right: Joe Scarborough, Tucker Carlson, and even Ann Coulter. So. Check it out. You can get your copy in advance signed. I've got a huge bundle of them at home to sign for all of you, um, piles of them. Uh, go to our website, BillPressShow.com. For 40% discount. The book is only sixteen seventy nine at that price, and we'll get it out to you right away. Go to BillPressShow.com. Get your copy even before the official publication date. Big news of the day, Donald Trump signing tariffs yesterday and the Florida legislature, unlike the House of Representatives, doing something, not much, but something on guns. Melanie Zanona covers those issues for The Hill and joins us in studio. Melanie. Hi, thanks for having me. Good to see you. Everything good at The Hill? It is. I hope I get a signed copy of your book. Uh, (laughs) I think we could arrange that. You think so? Okay. You know, um, 
You know some people? At the special price of sixteen seventy nine. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. This is the only one I have, or I'd give you that one, but we'll get you one we'll, for sure. So um, what about, let's hear Peter, Donald Trump again saying <clears throat> what these tariffs were all about. We will have a 25% tariff on foreign steel and a 10% tariff <laughs> on foreign aluminum when the product comes across our borders. Well, it sounds pretty straightforward and simple, but it's not, is it? That's exactly right. And that's why you're seeing so much pushback from the Republican Party. Members of his own party are the ones who are the the loudest critics of this, really. Um, And, you know, look, their issue is they don't want to see fairly traded products be hurt by this tariff. They don't want Canada and Mexico to be impacted by this. And that's why they're pushing so hard to get exemptions, uh, which we do see initially that they will be exempted in Mexico and Canada. But this is sort of... um, dependent upon the NAFTA negotiations, so it's indefinite. We don't know how long it's going to last, and other importers have to make their case, and it's really unclear how that's going to be interpreted. So Canada and and Mexico are, are let off the hook for how long? Well, until the results of NAFTA. We don't really okay. know. It's sort of indefinite. Because it was 30 days, and then now it's... It's, yeah, it's indefinite. Um, so we're not really sure. The tariffs start taking effect in 15 days, which, of course, does not give importers a lot of time to start making their case-by-case basis uh, requests to get exempt from these tariffs. How much of our aluminum and steel do we import, do you know? Well, we import most of it from Canada. Um, Canada is the largest importer of that. So, you know, they're the ones who are stand to really lose the most. Um, and that's why there was such a push to see them exempt. Right. Um, and so if I, could, if I could just be clear, right, like we're imposing these tariffs, but the countries that would actually have to pay the tariffs. The most most of them, right, would be. They're not going to be impacted by this. Right. Okay. So, so what's uh, the point? Yeah, exactly. What is the point? What is the point of the tariffs? Yeah. Well, it's keeping a campaign promise for one for Donald Trump. And he gets to say that he was cracking down on trade. Um, and honestly, but it's the biggest the biggest exporter or of or where we get most of our imports of steel and aluminum happens to be Canada, and Canada is not covered. Then, right? Well, we don't know if they ultimately will be covered or not. Got for now. Um, for, now. for now, and you know the other the big actor that they were trying to target here was China. Of I was course. just going to ask you about China, right? So. That's that's where Trump has you know focused a lot of his uh, critiques. You heard him on the cam- campaign trail talking about sure, right. China and how unfair they are, um, and and Japan too, and huh? Japan as well. That's right. So you know, that's where the focus of it has been. The issue with offering exemption and the reason why the White House was so reluctant to do that, even for our allies like Mexico and Canada, was because there was concern that there it's a slippery slope when you start offering exemptions for one. Then you know where do you draw the line? And so that's why. Initially, even up until Sunday, you were hearing White House officials say, we're not going to offer any exemptions. It's going to be a blanket tariff. Right, right, right. Um, No exemptions whatsoever. I know. They've gone back and forth on this, and we didn't There's know There's been until. whiplash for sure. Right. Um, so Canada, when you say it's number one, is that does that mean would you could you put a number on it? Sixty percent, seventy percent? You know, I'm not sure the exact numbers of how much versus other countries, but I know it's like the overwhelming number is so from is Canada. Ch- is China down in the 10 or 20 percent level? Yeah, I mean, China is, is not nearly as much as Canada. Now, so how about if you're um, the prime minister of Japan, um, longtime ally, ally of the United States since World War II, um, 
And and yesterday, the president signed tariffs on any aluminum or steel they want to send to sell mm-hmm. to the United States, and also agreed he's going to sit down <laughs> with Kim Jong Un in a one-on-one meeting. Japan must not be too happy about it was this. Just a dizzying day in the White House, but just another Thursday for them, I guess. I mean, it was absolutely <laughs> mind-boggling to see, and then not to mention the scandal that they're also trying to deal with with the porn star Stormy Daniels. Um, yeah, I'm not sure Japan's involved. I don't with think that. they care about that. No, but uh, just. But anyhow, I to was step just, back and look yeah. at everything that happened yesterday, the turn of events from the morning until the very end of last night, um, it's really incredible. All right, so on, with the tariff, it appeared that almost like the way the agreement on North Korea appeared, that that there wasn't a lot of thought and a lot of meetings and planning that went into this. It was sort of a spur. I mean, you're right. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump talked about it all during his campaign. But to make the presidential announcement was almost, oh, by the way, I'm going to. It was very, it was spur of the moment. There was some speculation that he was really angry with a lot of the coverage and things that were happening last week. And that he So let's change the subject. So let's change the subject. Let's go with what I want to do. Once he did make up his mind, there was no turning back. Uh, despite the best efforts, not only from Republicans and some of his top allies in Capitol Hill, including the ones who delivered his tax cuts like Kevin Brady or Mark Meadows, the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, who has had his ear for a long time, even they couldn't convince him or members of his own staff and White House. You know, there's division within the White House itself about whether this was a good idea to move forward. And people like Gary Cohn were really credited with able to hold the president at bay. But, um, you know, since last week when the president made up his mind, there was no turning back. He was insistent and insisted that, you know, this happen as soon as possible. Paul Ryan spoke about this yesterday, Speaker of the House. Um, and again, not a, not a big fan. I'm just not a fan of broad-based, across-the-board tariffs because I think you'll, you'll have a lot of unintended consequences. You'll have a lot of collateral damage, not just consumers, um, but businesses. So what can Congress do? Well, the answer is uh, not a whole lot if they don't have two-thirds of Congress behind them because they would need to override a presidential veto. I mean, there's a couple things they could do. Number one, they could try to rein in some of the president's trade authority. So the way that the president was actually able to implement these tariffs is he used this obscure process where he can say there's national security securities yeah. oh, yeah. so right. he can you know implement these tariffs unilaterally. By the way, um, the national security link, he, he uses that all the time. Right. And the Commerce okay. Department under him found that there were national security concerns. Meaning, um, so we use some aluminum and steel to build tanks. Is that... Right. So, or you know, it's not that planes, it's not I mean, that great of an argument. It's a really yeah, old, yeah. obscure right. um, process that he, he dug up to use that. So they could potentially rein that mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Um, they could also directly try to block or nullify the tariffs. We've already seen Jeff Flake in the Senate right. try to introduce a bill, and he's going to be leading that mm-hmm. charge. Um, but the truth is, number one, GOP leaders are going to have to w- be willing to go further than just standing up and saying we oppose these tariffs. They're going to actually have to have to have... Um, the guts to put it on the floor against the president and then have enough members to actually sign what would be an expected veto. So in theory, Congress could say, no, this is outrageous. We're going to block block the president's action. Sure. But whether there's actually the political appetite to spend capital on this, um, especially in an election year when Republicans are very worried about the midterm elections, they want to be focusing on other things, not just running on tax reform, but you know, what they call a bold agenda, pushing other things forward instead of picking a fight with their own president. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was just thinking, so we have no idea who's going to replace Gary Cohn. 
right? Not we- yet. I mean, there's some names that have been floating around. Um, Peter Navarro is one that is very well, alarming. He was, he was to... there yesterday, a big proponent of tariffs. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas Gary Cohn, of course, was one of the biggest local right. critics of this idea. So there is concern that whoever Trump does replace is going to be someone who's more of a yes man and that does agree with him, more like a Peter Navarro. And that's why a lot of Republicans on Capitol Hill are very nervous about Gary Cohn's departure and what this means. Navarro's present job is? Um, he's the trade advisor for the White House. Oh, that's right. Trade mm-hmm. the, our U.S. trade rep, is that mm-hmm. right? And so there's also a name, Mick Mulvaney is another name that's been thrown around. Oh, well, let's give him another hat to wear. <laughs> yeah, he, his name was in the works for a potential <laughs> chief of staff replacement if John Kelly had left. Um, but we we just don't know. another one. I mean, he yeah. could do all of them, all those jobs. Well, that, that, I, think, I think this highlights the big problem with you know when you hear a lot of people talk about the the departures in the white house and the staffing problems in the white house this is the big problem because it is sort of a shell game right like once you get in they'll move you around here yeah, and there yeah. right but like if they were to move Mick Mulvaney anywhere he already has two jobs right so for them to get rid of John Kelly and then move Mick Mulvaney then they've got two other jobs to fill and that's true if they move Mick Mulvaney anywhere else yeah well but the thing is, it won't be hard to find somebody. In fact, I'll give you a minute or so to find that clip from yesterday. But it won't be hard to find somebody because, you know, Donald Trump said yesterday that everybody, uh, everybody, <laughs> everybody wants to work at the White House. And maybe even the... Gary Cohn will come back, is what he said. But he did. Yeah, here he is. Believe me, everybody wants to work in the White House. They all want a piece of that Oval Office. They want mm-hmm. a piece of yeah. the West Wing. Yeah. Well, Mr. President, I don't. I don't want <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted it under Barack Obama. I don't want to, certainly don't want it under you. I mean, the hours in the White House is crazy. Yeah, and particularly when you're working for somebody, it's unpredictable. Unpredictable mm-hmm. with total chaos and disarray. I mean, with the tariffs, John Kelly, chief of staff, wasn't even in the building. He was over at HHS right. doing right. something else, so he didn't know what was going on. And yesterday, when they announced uh, the meeting with Kim Jong Un, Rex Tillerson is in Africa. <laughs> he didn't know. General Mattis, Defense Secretary, didn't know this was coming down. Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, they didn't know this announcement was going mean, to be Trump made yesterday. Trump popped into the briefing room himself yeah, to yeah. tell reporters that this was something that was coming. Something big is coming. It's right. like a reality show, the teaser. I mean, oh, the, well, you, just, you summed up the uh, you summed up the Trump presidency. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, so, I think it's today that Governor Rick Scott is going to sign some. I think, lame excuse for a gun safety bill in Florida. Um, Meanwhile, what is the House of Representatives (laughs) doing? Well, if you think that's a lame excuse, you should see the bill that the House is actually going to be voting on next week. This is what they say is their response. It's called the Stop School Violence Act. It authorizes $50 million in funding to go towards a new grant program that would be designed to educate students and teachers about how to spot signs of school violence, gun violence, and report them. But it doesn't even appropriate the funding. It authorizes that, which means appropriators would still have to dole out this money at some future point, whether in the omnibus or another spending bill. Um, So, you know, it's not really much of a a strong response, even on the school safety piece, which is what Republicans have said all along that they want to focus on, at least in the House, Mm -hmm. as opposed to gun control. Uh, Are they doing anything in this bill about bump stocks? No, absolutely not. This is just school safety, just a grant program. It's a very small, narrow, bipartisan bill that is expected to get a lot of support, but Democrats say it's hardly enough to address the problem. So, and nothing about bump stocks, nothing about background checks? 
Nothing on background checks. No, uh, nothing speaker, about cop killer bullets, well, assault rifle. No, no. And Speaker no. Ryan has said, look, the House already passed the narrow background check bill called Fix Nicks, but it was attached to concealed carry, a controversial bill. Um, and that's why it's been sold in the Senate. And they're refusing to, to take it up as a standalone until they see what the Senate does. And the Senate also seems to be in st- stuck in gridlock over this issue. So, you know, it's really unclear where it's going to go, if at all. I haven't seen any legislation introduced in the Senate. There's there's been some some bills introduced in the Senate. There's also been some school safety bills introduced. Um, These red flag laws is another issue that's being looked at, which is being able to take away guns from people who are deemed dangerous. Um, But all of those things are really non-starters, especially in the House. So it's, you know, if they can't even get this bipartisan narrow background check bill that has the support of the NRA through Congress. It doesn't bode well for other pieces of legislation. Uh, How powerful is the NRA in Congress? That's a really good question. And I think a lot of people sort of overstate um, why they're so powerful. It's not just that they're contributing money. Um, You look at some of these Republicans and who their districts are it's gun owners. It's deep red districts. It's not just, you know, middle America or some of these swing districts or moderate districts. You have people who very much deeply care about this issue. It's something that gets people to the polls. You know, they have these events where people are bringing guns. They're auctioning off AR-15s at some of these uh, fundraising events. So it's a much more... Right. Fundraisers for members of Congress. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's a much deeper issue than just the fact that the NRA um, contributes money to to a lot of these folks. Um, it's it's much deeper than that. I mean, their power is really exaggerated, it seems. I mean, we've had several members from Congress in here, Democrats, admittedly, but who have F, F ratings from the NRA, D minus <laughs> rating, and they get elected. They get reelected. Yeah, now, I don't think the, the average voter is looking on the NRA's report card before they vote. Um, but at the same time, there is there is still that fear around, among a lot of Republicans about the NRA. And President Trump said it himself, a lot of you guys are scared of the NRA. Um, well, see, I'd say starting with him. But. Yeah, right. Wow. And that's why you saw him walk back after the Oval Office meeting with the NRA, walk yeah. back a lot of his positions that he had said in that bipartisan meeting. Right. The only thing right now, so after all the stuff he talked about, in that meeting he even talked, he indicated he might be open to... Um, a ban on assault rifles, right? Uh, other stuff that um, raising uh, the age limit, raising the age limit, all that kind of stuff. He he also yeah he right like, in that meeting he talked about taking people's guns away and then and then going through the due process later. later. Yeah, yeah. Which that like, was a line Republicans absolutely yeah. loved. Take the guns away first. Take the mm-hmm. guns away first. And, and like again, right? We spent eight years under Barack Obama where Republicans were running around saying he's going to try and take your guns away. He's going to try and t- take your guns away. While Barack Obama was saying, "I'm not going to take your guns." And you've got Donald Trump, the Republican, saying, I'm going to take your guns away, and yeah. then we'll figure out what to do with you. Right, right. And that was last week. This week, like, hit cabinet meeting yesterday, and the only thing he mentioned is the bump stocks. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And I think that just goes to show the political reality that a lot of these proposals we're running into on Capitol Hill. Trump just thought, you know, he can make it work. And I think if he would have kept the drum beat up and kept mentioning these issues on Twitter and making phone calls to a lot of these lawmakers, it could have moved the needle. But that's what it would have take, 
That's what it's going to take is presidential no. leadership, and it's right. not there right now. No, no, no. I think that was an opportunity for him to do. I mean, I, I overused phrase or even this morning, Nick, the Nixon and China deal. But if, if there's one person, it seems to me, who could successfully get, it wouldn't be everything I wanted, but a reasonably good gun safety package through Congress, it was not Barack Obama. It could have been, it could be mm-hmm. and could have been Donald Trump. I think you're exactly, you're has, right. He has the popularity and he would say, look, guys, you know, you know me, I'm a, I'm a total Second Amendment defender, but we've got to do something to protect our children. And these are measures we all should be able to support. Um, and I was really hoping that he might do that. But uh, then he goes and has these off the record meetings, uh, meals at the White House with the heads of the NRA, and it, it all disappears. Well, I think you're exactly they right. They convinced him to do absolutely nothing. He was the only one who could have done something because there was so much fear when it was Obama that he was going to take their guns away or that it was going to be a slippery slope. And the base really trusted that Trump was going to do the right thing, wasn't going to infringe or trample on the Second Amendment. Um, and it doesn't look like he's going to be pushing very hard for a lot of these initial things he said he would. So do you think the gun safety will emerge uh, or is it already one of the big key issues in 2018? In terms of an election year issue, I think that and immigration are both just instead of Congress actually doing something are just both going to end up being election year issues, something that you'll see maybe both sides campaign upon. You'll see Republicans saying, you know, they're going to try to take your guns away if you elect this Democrat to office or, you know, they're going to allow immigrants to flow into the country if you elect these Democrats. And then on the flip side, you're going to have Democrats say, look, they ended DACA. All these young kids could get deported. They haven't done anything after the school shooting. So I'm sure these are things we're going to be seeing in the coming months. Right. Uh, and there are others who also, of course, say, well, Democrats, well, you had a chance to make a deal on DACA and you didn't. You walked away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not pushing it in the omnibus, it looks like, either. Which is the... That'll be March 23rd. That's the next government funding bill. <sighs> it's hard to keep track of these I know. There's deadlines. so, there's so these... many. But this this potentially could be the last one for a while for the rest of the fiscal year. But Democrats have already said we're not we're not itching to mm-hmm. shut down the government. We're not going to force um, any issues on immigrations or on guns, which was. Yeah. But now we're operating under this. Well, what is the status of DACA today? Because the March 5th deadline, which is the deadline given to Congress by the president, to either fix DACA or it disappears. Today's March 9. Well, the courts ruled against the administration, so it's still in limbo. Um, Assuming it's going to work its way through, we don't know how long it's going to take to go through the court system. This could wind up at the Supreme Court. So as of right now, that deadline isn't as hard, which is why you're not seeing as much of um, a sense of urgency among Democrats to really push for this in the next funding bill. Right. And when you take away something like a deadline for Congress, you can almost guarantee it's not going to get done. <laughs> so it looks like, as you say, the DACA will drag into the midterm elections. Exactly. Uh, and um, maybe maybe the tariffs, too, who knows, and the guns, all of that just become Election year, yep. Exactly. Right. As opposed to actually seeing action on Capitol Hill. Shocking, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any, looking forward, positive agenda? I mean... With, with you know, back with Newt Gingrich, we had the contract with America, right? That laid out here are the things, eighteen things we're going to get done this year. 
Has Paul Ryan done that for 2018? Well, you know, in conference meeting this week, they did present a slideshow to their members about the things that they do want to accomplish in the next couple of months. And that was pretty light. Some of the things on there were the must-pass omnibus, an FAA mm. reauthorization, which they also is a must-pass bill. They have to do the end of March. Um, what was not on there was immigration, guns, or even infrastructure, which is the president's mm. uh, big agenda item this year. So it doesn't look like even that's going to get any support on Capitol You know, Health. I've got a good idea. Maybe we should have, um, what do you think about this, Peter? Maybe we should have an infrastructure week. <laughs> oh, yeah, why not, man? What could go wrong? They always go so well. Yeah. We've had three of them, haven't we? Yeah. I think there've been three <laughs> infrastructure weeks. <coughs> Melanie Zanona here from The Hill. Great newspaper, great source of information on what's going on in Washington, thehill.com. Uh, they cover both the White House uh, and uh, Jordan Fabian's here often yes. as a guest. And what's happening in the Congress with Melanie Zanona and others taking a look at that. And on Tuesdays, um, you're lucky because you get to read my column in The Hill. So... TheHill.com. Thanks, Melanie, for coming in. Thanks for having me. Okay. Hang in there. We'll be right back. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to The Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. This guy. Hello, little rocket man. <laughs> I'm big rocket man. <laughs> there it is, folks. They're going to meet across the table between now and May 1st. <laughs> and God knows what's going to happen. Great to see you on a Monday. No, it's good to see you on a Come Monday, on but it's Come even better now. to see you Come on a on Friday. Now. Even better to see on a Friday because Monday's the beginning of the week. But this is the end of it. As you can tell, I'm ready for it. I'm already into the weekend, it looks like. Friday, March 9, the Bill Press Show. Great to see you. Thank you for joining us as we come to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day, starting with that uh, surprise announcement yesterday by, well, it actually was not an announcement by the president nor by the White House. It was the South Korean foreign minister who announced that President Trump told him he was ready to sit down and meet with the head of North Korea to talk about potential denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Uh, Hard to top that for news, but also uh, the president did sign those tariffs into law yesterday. Matt Fuller covers the Congress for Huffington Post, a good friend of ours, and uh, in studio with us today. Matt? (laughs) I don't know, man. It's hard to keep up with all this stuff. It is definitely hard to keep up. Yeah. (laughs) Every day there's 10 stories that, you know, warrant a full month of coverage, I think. Right. Yeah. And of course, the foreign, the leaders of the foreign policy committees on the House, Bob Corker, and I forget who it is in the House, but uh, Ed Royce right now. Ed Royce. Yeah. They were very involved uh, 
in the, with the White House in planning this announcement oh, oh, and everything. Oh, of course. So yeah. <laughs> all the involvement. Fully no. informed. and Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Keeps them apprised of all and all the agencies and administration. Yeah. No, none, none of that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Everyone's sort of flying they, by the seat of their pants yeah, here. Yeah. They found about it the same way we did. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. Check Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Check, keep checking keep Twitter. Keep them on alert. Uh, we'll jump into all of that with, uh, with Matt and with all of you. Look forward to hearing your comments on Twitter. At BP Show. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Do you miss Barack Obama? Well, you won't miss him for much longer. According to the New York Times, Barack Obama is in advanced negotiations to produce a series of television shows for Netflix. There's not much else that, that there is to report on. There's not a whole lot of information other than that he has talked to them. Michelle Obama would be a part of this project. They would both be paid by Netflix. Of course, Netflix has 118 million subscribers, so it's a pretty big platform for the former POTUS. Uh, but again, like I said, like we don't know what the show would look like. They didn't really give any details. I mean, every president's turned into a TV producer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's George W. Bush going to be? He'll come out with a plan yeah. too. I mean, he's the next host of The Apprentice. By the way, I, I was I'm surprised that Barack Obama has time for this Netflix thing because he is so busy, right, working on yes. doing away with reapportionment and helping Democrats get elected to Congress this year. That's right. He's so busy at that. How could he have time <laughs> to be making money on a yeah. documentary? Yes. It must be fake news. Good point. It must be fake news. <laughs> By the way, how'd you sleep last night? Um, I slept very well. All mm-hmm. right. Well, a lot of drugs. You might, <laughs> you might be alone. A new survey from accountants finds that 15% of professionals lose sleep because of work stress. Seriously. Mm-hmm. So they say that it's a big problem. People take their work home uh, yeah, with them, yeah. and they just they, they stress over work, and they don't sleep very well, and so they're losing out on more and more sleep. I've got the answer. What drugs? No, yeah, no, no. Seriously, you know what? What? If I if I wake up in the middle of the night and something like work related comes along and I'm thinking, oh God, I didn't do that. Or I got to do this and I got to remember. You know, I grab my phone and I send myself an email. <laughs> and that's and that's that. And that's it. Yep, <clears throat> and it's out of my mind. I know when I read me, I'll get it. So I don't have to worry about it the rest of the night. Seriously, it works. Try. That's it. not a bad idea. That's not a bad. I idea. I just don't know who the fifteen percent of people who aren't. Yeah, right. Like, stressed out right, right, right. like who are those weirdos? <laughs> you don't bring your work home with you? People what? who don't work in D.C. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know any of those people. <laughs> this is the Bill Press Show. All right. On a Friday, March 9, yes, indeed, um, they're calling it at the White House the art of the nuclear deal. That's how it came down yesterday. Big rocket man saying he's willing to sit down with a little rocket man, wants to do it as soon as he can. And they're supposed to, do, to we don't know where yet. That's what I wonder about. Supposed to get together before the 1st of May. Hello, everybody. Welcome on this Friday to the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us as we uh, join you on you, online on YouTube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Joining you on Free Speech TV and on the great WCPT out in the greater Chicago area, Matt Fuller from Huffington Post joining us here in studio. And remember, we want to hear from you what you think about the news of the day, especially this this pending summit now. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. 
So um, this is not exactly your beat, but um, <laughs> I used to cover defense. I have, you know, all right, some years ago. Do you think uh, this? It seems to me it could either be a huge breakthrough or a total blow up. Yeah, I would. Uh, I mean, maybe this is my default with Trump, but I do lean more towards the blow up. Uh, I think that, you know, I, I happen to have been in the gym, surprise, and I saw Hannity's take on it, and it was like. Yeah, you know, once yeah. A, oh. once again, Trump in the masterful negotiator, and it's like, well, no, I mean, anyone could have. What you're doing is you're legitimizing, right, Kim Jong Un, um, which is what he wants. He wants a seat at the table. And there's no preconditions to this talk. Which again, this is something that, you know, when Obama did this at the very beginning of his presidency, or tried to do it uh, with Iran, and um, mm. I think there was some other countries involved, and Republicans, you know, had a conniption that. You can't sit down with these people. Their dictators are crazy. Whatever. How naive! Just shows that he's not ready for prime time. That <laughs> right, when he said right, that, prime time. Yes, yes. That he'd be willing to sit down with Fidel Castro. Right, for example. right, yeah. right. Oh, Without preconditions God. and yes, right. Um, so even I might point out Hillary Clinton. Right, that right. That was during the primary. Yep, that's knocked exactly him for right. that. Yep. Said, just shows he's not ready. I am. I know better than that. You know, right. You know, the whole thing. And 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 actually, I don't think he met with those people. No, p- part of because of the. Sort of the hissy fit that everyone sort yeah, of finally here. in his last year he met with Raul Castro, right? Right. Now, but by then gone, right? Right. Right. And Cuba's a you know different place, but yeah. Um, I I I think that there's a, a couple schools of thought here. I think a lot of smart people think this was something we were going to have to do at some point anyway. That we were, were going to have to sit down with North Korea, and there are real um, benefits to doing that, and something that's just. You know, they are now at this point in nuclear power, and we are going to have to recognize that at some point. Uh, at the same time, it's amazing, you know, to make this out like, you know, once again, you know, the, the 3D chess master has come to play and, you know, he's he's playing this game because that's not the case. And I think what Kim Jong-un is seeing, right, is that uh, maybe he could get something out of Trump because, you know, you know, Chuck and Nancy do it, right? They, they get in a room with the guy and, and he just agrees to stuff. So, you know who the hell knows, and um, certainly it makes him more powerful in his country. That you know, Trump. I don't know. Again, we don't know where this is. I, I maybe South Korea or something like that as a sort of neutral territory or whatever. But uh, it would certainly seem like um, us coming to him <laughs> in some way. Maybe yeah. it'd be Germany. I don't know. Um, but uh, I think it does legitimize him in his country. And gives him he gains more from this meeting than Trump, and I don't think they're going to come to some sort of denuclearization agreement. That you know, I don't I don't think he's going to give up his nukes. Right. So let's, let's yeah. see how it you plays know, out. Uh, I mean, I I would hope as an American that this would be a Nixon in China moment, right? But uh, mentioned earlier, there's a big difference. Then number one, you had a you were dealing with an American president who was whatever you think of him, an expert in American foreign policy. Right. right? That had been his entire yeah. career. Yeah. A decades of experience dealing with world leaders as vice president in the Senate, the whole thing, been around the world. Um, and then you, you also had, for that before that meeting, there were months and months of preparation by people at the highest levels in our government, right, around yeah. him. Now, this is, again, spur of the moment by a guy who doesn't know anything about foreign policy except the Miss Universe contest in <laughs> Moscow was kind of... That's his resume. It's amazing right? competition. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they, uh, and, how they announced and, it, and too. And spur of the moment, and it's going to happen within five or six weeks. Yeah, yeah. And there's no – we're giving away the prize, which is 
a photo op with the president of right. the United States. A seat at the table. A seat at the table yeah. without getting anything. Right. We, there, again, there are no pre- preconditions no, to this. No pre- and there, and there are, all. you know, there are virtues to saying we don't, we can't sit down with everyone with, with preconditions, but uh, yeah. certainly we are giving but him what he wants without getting anything This here. is the thing he has always wanted. He has never read this morning. He's never met with any, no other foreign leader, none, has been willing mm-hmm. to meet with him. And he starts out with the big prize, right, that mm-hmm. he gets basically for nothing. And if it is so, I would hope that they would have some kind of breakthrough. These two nuts, <laughs> you know, nutballs would succeed where all the sage foreign policy people yeah. have not. Takes two crazy men to do it. <laughs> yeah, right. That would be that would be great. And if he does it, yes, Mr. President, I will give you credit. I, I also, but sort of I think, just don't think it's going to happen. I, I also, yeah, I I'm not sure that it's going to happen at all. Right, like just because Donald Trump says that this is going to happen doesn't mean that it's going to happen. But I also think that this speaks to where we are in terms of a world like spectrum, right? Like what America used to be is not what we are anymore necessarily, right? Uh, when you talk about the big prize, meeting with the president of the United States typically would be considered probably the biggest prize that a world leader could, sure. could get. Yeah. And I'm just not sure that, that we're that anymore. I'm telling you, <laughs> as of now, as I would, I think, as of this moment, the winner of this is Kim Jong-un. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if they walk away with nothing, he wins. If, like, even if Trump walks away from the table at this point, says, you know, it, again, there, there's a good chance that this meeting doesn't happen, Right. Uh, at least a, non, non, a non-zero chance with Trump. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even then, you know, he's he's shown that, yes, America has to deal right. with me or whatever. And, yeah. and if they do sit across the table, that moment, Kim Jong-un is a winner. Yeah. yeah. Just, just by being there. Yep, doesn't uh, have to give him anything. Mm-mm. Yeah. Do you think they'll talk about hair? <laughs> <laughs> I like what you did. <laughs> yeah, he's going to steal his haircut. Right, I got that. Someone pointed out uh, yesterday that there's, a, there's a, uh, an SNL bit that Michael Che did, which was like, if they meet, they'd be fighting over the last pork chop or something. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and we do know going into this meeting that, of course, we remember Little Rocket Man, right? Yeah. Um, he, he he promised fire and fury. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was when he was meeting with, I think, the president of China or the prime minister of China. Right. Said. Yeah, I'm not sure who it was. But yeah. <laughs> if, if they try anything. Another no, that was Japan then, I think. Uh, was at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, when was that? But he, I thought I mean, it was at Mar-a-Lago when it's he all said. it's all blended. When they, when it they also did that test together, that yeah. went across Japan or something, he said they're going to be met with fire and fury. So he said, I mean, Trump spared no words when it comes to uh, Kim Jong Un, who, by the way, I think also does pretty well in the verbal uh, battle here. He called Donald Trump, quote, a lunatic, mean, <laughs> old trickster, and human reject. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's doing better than the New York Times. <laughs> His descriptions. <laughs> so when the two of them across the table from each other, it's going to be it's going to be wild. Um, also, not exactly on your turf, but yesterday the president uh, did sign the um, the the tariffs. Although, as we just talked about with Nolly Zanona from the Hill, they're sort of tariffs, but they're not. You know, they're tariffs on. Across the board, well, except for Mexico and Canada, but anybody yeah. else who wants to get out from under them can get out from under them. We're open to that too. But. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think there's a lot of Republicans hoping that it's that it's yeah, un- it's right. unclear what the extent of this is. Still, I mean, even yeah. after announcing it, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, this is this is clearly something that Trump did run on. 
clearly something that Republicans do not believe in, or at least traditionally believed in. Um, and it's funny to see, you know, of all the issues that you could take, you know, umbrage with Trump, this is one of the first ones I think the Republicans on the Hill are saying, you know, oh, we have to now we have to have hearings, or you know, oh, now we have to, and 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 they're doing it in their own still sort of spineless way. Um, you saw Paul Ryan. This is a tactical move, really. But he was, you know, saying, you know, the president's right. He just needs a targeted surgical approach, and you know, just China. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and they're trying to convince Trump that this was his conclusion that oh yes, I wanted just just tariffs on China or something. And um, I don't think that Republicans win that. I don't think they necessarily lose it entirely. I, I you know, obviously Canada is a major exemption. Um, we'll see what happens when. If China starts but, selling to Canada and Canada comes to us or whatever. But but I also think that, like, look, if you really look at what this is, right, Canada and Mexico are exempt, according to Trump, for now. And he also opened the door for other countries to come and bribe, <coughs> excuse me, negotiate with us <laughs> about getting the tariffs lifted on their country. So, like, in reality, it does very, very little. Yeah. I almost said nothing. But very, very little. We'll give him that credit, okay? But this again gets back to how Trump operates as president. He is he was he is president seat for seat of the pants. Totally. Yeah, it's seat of the pants. But he's also president for his base and his base alone. And he'll be able to turn around and say, "See, folks, look at this tariff. Look at this tariff stuff that I did. It's twenty five percent, ten percent on aluminum, and they'll just eat it up. They won't actually go through the next step to read an article about what was said or read some reporting about." What, the, what this actually does, because in reality, it doesn't do very much. But the highlight, we have to mention, the highlight of the meeting yesterday was when the uh, one steel worker <laughs> talked about his dad uh, who lost his job at the steel mill. Here's that little exchange. I never forgot that looking into his eyes mm-hmm. in my household, what that does to a family. Your father, Herman, is looking down. He's very proud of you well, right he's now. Still alive. Huh? Oh, he's still alive. He's even more proud of you. So good. So good. Herman. That's now, advanced work. Uh, yeah, yeah right. right. We uh, so point out that uh, Herman was just on CNN with his son, right? So uh, it just proves, right? Herman wanted to He's say, around. Hey, damn it, I'm still here. <laughs> Don't forget about Herman. Trump did not know something that the son didn't know. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's the way that Donald Trump just tells you that he's killed your father. <laughs> I've ordered a drone strike. <laughs> now, there are those who believe that um, the reason Donald Trump, uh, day before yesterday, or yesterday, popped into the briefing room and, and said, I got a big announcement coming up. You guys are going to, I just want you guys to know about this. By the way, you heard his parting words to John Carl of ABC News were, he didn't go to the podium. He just opened the door, right, and and <laughs> set, ducked his head in. Ducked his head in. Uh, as far as he's ever, he's never been in the briefing room. That was as close as he's ever come to it. But he said to John Carl, "I hope you'll give me credit for this." Which, yeah, well, well, <laughs> which says a lot about what right. it was all about. It, yeah, yeah, and, and and it's also interesting uh, on the North Korea thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and how they announced that though was you know from the driveway like an impromptu press conference, not with. Trump no, or, or and, anybody you know. from the Trump White House. Right. No, it was with the South Korean. Right, right. Yeah. So we uh, deputized him to go out and make an announcement on the part of the United States of America. Yeah, it just all, it all does feel it lends itself to the whole um, I don't know, just the haphazard nature of how this all came together or the seat of your pants yeah. kind of feeling about this whole thing. Well, there, there so there is a 
already a, a theory among some people that the reason Donald Trump decided to do this yesterday was because the Stormy Daniels story <laughs> was starting to take over and, again, change the subject, right? Yeah. And, now, and whether and, that's true or not, the Stormy Daniels thing is back. It is. And, and um, you know, I was in the House gallery a lot yesterday, and I was watching. They have all the channels up and everything. And you saw Stormy Daniels was really everywhere. I mean, um, and there's a lot of news there. The funny thing about this, and I did, I wrote, wrote something about this uh, yesterday, is that Democratic leaders are avoiding the Stormy Daniels thing, like you know, the plague. Like they won't even refer to it as an affair or um, – you know, I, I, they just say like, uh, oh, "We're not going to talk about that." Or you know, the words they use are, are, are crazy. But um, you know, Schumer was like, "I don't want to. I'm not going to comment on that. I don't want to talk about infrastructure." Nancy Pelosi yesterday was like, "We don't need to get into, you know, uh, his whatever personal life rumors about his personal life." Um, and it's so crazy to me because this is if this were a republic, a Democratic oh, president, it. yeah. Right. We, impeachment hearings. Uh, we'd be having hearings. Oh. And there are legitimate issues here. Can I mean, you imagine if Barack oh, yeah. Obama had been found to have paid in in the two weeks or a week before the election $130,000 to to shut up someone a porn who star? Was a porn star? Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, and and it's a problem to have your president uh, blackmailable, right? There, If he's paying well, for things to keep things secret, that's sort of an issue, you know? It's a security concern. Well, yeah, I think that's a very good point because it's more than just we're making a big deal about a consensual affair. No, and I don't think actually that's what people are are saying. I think people have have honed in on, hey, these are potential FEC violations uh, for a number of reasons because we still don't know the real source of this money. Right. Um, And and if it's clear that it was intended to benefit his campaign, which means it's – functionally a campaign expenditure which should have been reported mm-hmm. um if the trump organization paid that's illegal corporations can't make campaign contributions right if cohen did it that's an excessive contribution um if trump did it how did he do it you know what coffer did he pay it out of and he should have probably disclosed that um so there's a whole host of and then there's the lie which and then is, there's a lie right yeah right and, and a continued it, lie it, 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 it as far as he's concerned, it never happened. It never happened, even though there are photographs of the two of them. Right. It, bed, it seems very – It's the seems, same event right, at Lake Tahoe. Right. It seems very credible that the affair happened. Nothing Nothing that – in her story seems, um, you know, far-fetched here. It seems and, – and, and actually I think that there's some acknowledgement um, very quietly from Trump world that, okay, yeah, that happened, but again, it is a consensual relationship. But I don't think, I don't think um, Democrats are making – much of it because they're like, well, no, that's a consensual relationship. Well, you can leave that aside for a moment and actually deal with, you know, again, the, the, the blackmail issue, the lying, the FEC stuff. And you can just totally leave aside the the sort of, you know, moral, oh, my God, a, you know, a porn actress. And yeah. you, know, you don't need to even wait into think, that. I think Democrats may be sitting on the sidelines for another reason, too, which is when they're in a good, doing a pretty good job of self-destruction, you just let them self-destruct. Yeah, and, and, and I had uh, Democratic you aides know. tell me exactly that. It's sort of a Sun Tzu, like, don't interrupt your enemy when they're making a mistake. Right. And and the now, news is, you know, it's it's coming along fine. <laughs> right. But, Matt, Matt Fuller with us from uh, Huffington Post covers Congress, but we're not talking about Congress. We decided to do some <laughs> more fun to, stuff to talk about. And I don't want to really about Congress. Yeah, that's right. Well, they're not doing anything anyhow. So. Uh, yeah, I, that's another thing I, I, I wrote this week. It seems so weird that um, 
this it you know republicans have waited so long for this unified control and what are they doing right they're going to pass an omnibus and and then what this doesn't yeah, seem clear yeah. that you know they're going to do really anything at all so um i don't want to turn the show into the national Enquirer, but since we're talking <laughs> about sexual affairs and uh, and possible bigger pictures involved. I don't even know her name. There's this 19-year-old who claims to have the inside information. Oh, the Russian. The Russian woman, right. Yeah. Who was a an escort. Yeah. And her story is, and she has photos to prove it too, that she was on this yacht with this Russian oligarch, and she was sort of his plaything. And um, he had some big Kremlin advisor and they went off on this, they're in the Mediterranean somewhere and they're talking about deals with Donald Trump. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. And she says she's got tape. She, she did release a tape of one conversation that they were having, which does talk about American intrigue or business deals or something. But she said, she says she's got tape that improves that proves that there was collusion between the Trump campaign uh, yeah. and the Kremlin. And I and I would just say the Trump people would say what you have if you have a tape it you have a, a tape that proves that there was a conversation from two guys, you know. Oh, so oh, I know, right. The, the other this is she's in prison in Thailand right, in prison, I think yeah. for for pornography or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, although in Thailand I didn't think I thought you were considered <laughs> a national hero if you were a porn star, but at any rate. Um but she's she's saying she wants to get out of prison and she's willing to release this tape as her price for getting out of prison. Yeah. So. Yeah. When maybe, when does when does this story blow up? Yeah. <laughs> well, I th- I've, every day is a new development yeah. that could blow up. Yeah. Um, is the House, or the Senate, or the House going to go through with their threat to back to the towers for a second to overturn what the president has done? You know, I I. I I think that the there's, Jeff Flake is introduced, or yeah, says he's going yeah. to introduce legislation. It's it's funny. I think there is maybe the majorities to do that. Uh, you I, veto I, it, right? Sure, and then that's the and that's the real issue is that then you need to come up with like 290 votes or yeah, you know, functionally 285 or something like that in the House, which is a lot more challenging because a lot of Democrats, particularly if it's tailored in this way, I think are. Kind of, it was funny to sort of see yesterday. You know, Sherrod Brown's out with a. He was sort of praising the tariff. Oh and, yeah, yeah. You know, Richard Trumka. You know, there's yeah. a lot of the union people who are, are kind right. of like, well, this isn't so bad for us actually. And and obviously, a lot of Republicans are uh, still scared of crossing Trump. So they're, yeah. Now I just want to point out one of our big sponsors is the or the United Steelworkers uh, under President Leo Gerard, and I've talked to him about this. They're very they're very happy with the tariffs. And also, by the way. Leo told me that Canada was not the problem. Yeah, that they had some pretty good um, arrangements with Canada. Well, a lot of those those unions represent uh, areas in Canada too, right? Um, so among and, them, the steelworkers, right? Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So I and I and I think that um, with the, the the Canadian exemption, with this sort of NAFTA idea, um, a lot it, it being so tailored there, that's. I th- Canada is our largest importer of steel, so I think that with that taken care of, they're they're sort of like. Okay, well, there is a legitimate issue with China. I mean, again, you could make the case that okay, China's doing weird things; they're dumping steel, whatever. Um, there, there is some merit to the idea of of tariffs, uh, particularly on the idea of like a security concern that you need to uh, be producing steel and all that. It's just 
this isn't that's not what you know Trump goes into these things he's not thinking in that sort of ballpark he's just thinking you know oh that makes sense tariffs yeah you know that'll yeah, yeah. and and that's scary when you when you start thinking about how how this sort of comes together that someone could just make up their mind like this and just sort of um you know he's he's just he's really making it up as he goes and i think that that there's a legitimate question about uh, the merits of of governing like that I'm sure in your coverage of the House, particularly among Republicans, um, that there's a lot of talk about this special election up in Pennsylvania, yeah. which is, I think, next Tuesday. Yep. Republicans have spent $10 million trying to uh, hold on to this seat, which was a gerrymandered Republican, drawn as a Republican district, which Donald Trump carried by double digits. He's going yeah, to be there. 20 points or something. 20 points. He's going to be there Saturday. Trump is going to go. Yes. Okay. I he's didn't know that. I thought yeah, he had, I no. thought he had canceled. And... No, he tweeted out actually that he's going to be there. Come see me, you know, Saturday. Oh, okay. Mike Pence has been there. They spent 10 million dollars to to win a seat in a special election which will the seat the district disappears by November. Right. Yeah. And Connor <laughs> Lamb, a, a young Democrat, uh, I think is leading in the polls at Republicans. Yeah, only by like two points or so. Yeah, and so yeah. it, it, it's obviously but again, very close. It's a twenty. Oh yeah, percent yeah, 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 Trump yeah. district. The Democrats shouldn't even have Be a in the chance. Count. Right, right. Uh, and w- whatever happens there, but Republicans are just determined. They can't. They feel they can't lose this. That the PR blow if they lost it would be too bad. Well, I think it, what's really interesting about that race is you've watched how Lamb has run it. He ran a very anti-Pelosi campaign. Mm-hmm. He um, said he will not vote for Nancy right, for speaker. Right, right. Um, he he has sort of come out as a pro-life Democrat, uh, which you know that, that that certainly riled a lot of the Democratic base here to say why you know why are we supporting pro-life candidates? But also, I think it's bolstered the case of the DCCC that there just some there are some districts that are almost unwinnable if you're not going to come out as pro-life and. Um, that's certainly something that Democrats are going to have to deal with going forward, how they're going right. to support those sorts of candidates. It's interesting. Joe Biden was there yesterday. Yeah. And I, and, and again, I think that Scranton. <laughs> I think it's, it's that not the, Scranton, but it's. Yeah, it's Western. Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Near Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Um, I, I think it's a really interesting roadmap for Democrats to, you know, a real path towards not just a majority, but a much larger majority than, you know even what Republicans might have right now. Right. Um, I was just looking at our friend Jonathan Martin in the uh, on the front page of the New York Times today. Never has so much money been spent so quickly on a political race with so little real meaning. Yeah, that sums it up perfectly. <laughs> yeah, a six-month... Mm-hmm. I mean, this is really about the, just sort of having an incumbency advantage come November. Um, I, I don't know if it's Rick Saccone. I don't even know exactly how to say his name. I don't I know if he's going right. to run again if he loses. I, I assume Lamb would be the Democratic candidate again um, if he were to lose. Uh, again, it's a close race. Who knows? The the, the f- good thing for Democrats here is that they shouldn't really be competing in the district, and they absolutely are, and they're making Republicans spend a ton of money on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it if you're just using that as sort of an indicator, and, and, I, and I'm sort of uh, a little bit conservative on, on using special elections as like this – broad brush that this is what happens in November yeah, because right. these things change so quickly. But it's certainly a good indication that um, this is an interesting moment for Democrats, that they really have a shot at taking back the House. In fact, if they win this election, I think you have to say they have a, probably have a better than 50 percent chance of taking back the House here just because of, you know, 
what looks like the enthusiasm gap is amazing among Democrats and Republicans right now. And again, this is a congressional district, um, but were Democrats to win it, it would certainly reinforce the blue wave theory, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is also, uh, I think, illustrated in the fact that out of 80 state legislative seats that have been up this year, that Democrats were able to flip so far since Donald Trump's been president, so that last year and in early 2018, they've been able to flip from Republican to Democrat 39 seats, and Republicans have flipped four yeah. from Republican to Democrat. Yeah. yeah. So, and, so something's going on. And Pennsylvania, too, has the um, the redistricting issues. So there, yep. there are going to be some serious Democratic gains there, I think, no matter what. I think, you know, I, a couple of members, Republican members, Ryan Costello, Scott Perry— uh, the Charlie Dent seat might might flip. Um, there's a, just a few that because again, Pennsylvania for being a sort of what seemed like sort of straight lines was a pretty well gerrymandered um, map for Republicans. A very, very narrow advantage for Republicans, but they had you know for, in a state that was going fifty fifty. I'm not sure what the breakdown was, but it was certainly overwhelmingly Republican congressional mm-hmm. seats. So right right off the top, you're talking a, a few seats for Democrats right there. I think in November and. You could sort of get – you could do the math here to get to 23, 24 to sort of flip this um, – the House pretty easily. I mean it's not – you're right. not talking about too many um, stretches for seats that you have to flip. But certainly it's, it, it's, not a, it's not an easy thing to do. I mean it's not you know a slam dunk no matter what, even if you have a generic ballot that's D plus 10 or whatever. And right now we've seen you know varying from D plus 16 right after sort of the gun issue. And um, I know that there was some – some questions about how much sampling they had on Democrats and Republicans there. But um, we've also seen, you know, it was D plus 16 before, and then it sort of started fading very slowly to basically an even race uh, with just the generic ballot, like saying, you know, do you prefer a Democrat or Republican for, right. So, um, yeah, I think it's still anyone's guess. There's just so much time left until November. And, you know, the news here is we're measuring it and, half days right like <laughs> it's just so hard to it's so hard to handicap something when it's changing you know by the minute hour by hour yeah, yeah absolutely hey matt it's great to see you good great to, to catch see you up. yeah on, absolutely on, on many fronts uh follow matt fuller on uh, huffpost huffpost.com uh, and next emma loop joins us from buzzfeed uh, also covering the hill for buzzfeed quick break and we'll be right back This is the Bill Press Show. On a Friday, March 9. Uh, welcome back, everybody. The Bill Press Show. Wrapping up here for the week. Into the weekend we go, but not for another half hour or so. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. We're brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters. Yes, those good men and women. Of our firefighting departments, uh, you see them on the job every single day in our neighborhoods, protecting American families every single day of the year under the leadership of President Harold Schaefberger. Check out their website at IAFF.org. We certainly salute them for their great work and thank them for their sponsorship of the uh, program. Uh, And another reminder, um, before you or as you go into the weekend... uh, Make sure the weekend doesn't pass before you have ordered your advanced copy, signed advanced copy, of my new book, From the Left, Life in the Crossfire, a story of all the good times and great experiences I've had so far. 
much of it spent with you on national television and on national radio. Uh, find out all about it here. If you go to our website, BillPressShow.com, a special price, 40% discount just for our listeners and viewers. Uh, I'll sign them. We'll get it out to you right away. Go to BillPressShow.com from the left. I just want to point out 40% off is way better than the employee discount of 5% that I got when I ordered my book. Well, so I, I don't know why everybody else is getting such a good deal, but God, act now, right? But as I said, the special discount is for our listeners and viewers only. And you wouldn't even sign mine. <laughs> uh, for a price, I would. <laughs> that's what the extra 5% comes yeah, That's yeah. what it is. Damn. Okay. <clears throat> Moving right along in the news of the day, Emma Loop joins us from BuzzFeed as covers national security issues for the Hill, including the Russian investigation. Emma, it's nice to see you. It's nice to see you, too. So um, big doings on the Hill yesterday. Corey Lewandowski was back, right, in front of the House Intelligence Committee. He'd been right. there once before. Right. Uh, and how much time did he spend there? Corey Lewandowski tells us as he was leaving talking to you and other reporters who were trying to uh, snag him there as he's making his way out. Here he is. Were you able to answer answer all the questions? questions? I answered every relevant question you could imagine. I just spent 12 hours of my life I'll never get back. (laughs) 12 hours of his life he'll never get back. Um, Were members happy with, uh, did they feel he answered all questions? Democrats did not. Uh, Representative Adam Schiff came out. He's the top Democrat on the committee. And he said that they requested to subpoena Lewandowski because they feel like he was still not answering certain questions. Schiff said that those questions pertain to the firing of James Comey, um, the drafting of a statement to respond to the stories about the Trump Tower meeting in June 2016. Etc. And yeah. so he apparently did not answer those questions. And he did tell us, I answered all relevant questions. And so right. what yeah. he considers relevant is, of course, the issue there. Right. Here, here is, a, you just mentioned, uh, Congressman uh, Adam Schiff. We have requested that he be subpoenaed to return to answer certain sets of questions he was unwilling to answer today um, that were very pertinent to our investigation. So uh, is that the rule that the witness decides what's relevant and what's not? Not typically, um, but they don't really seem to have the Republican support on the committee to issue a subpoena in this case. We didn't really hear from any Republicans as they left, but there has been no indication so far that they're interested in doing this. And in fact, some Republicans were satisfied with his first interview. And so I don't think there's the appetite for it at this point. Right. Um, what do they hope to get out of Lewandowski? Uh, are they looking into the collusion aspect or the obstruction of justice aspect of this case? It would seem that for Democrats, based on what Schiff said yesterday, he was talking about, you know, the firing of Comey and this Trump Tower meeting, which, you know, is kind of both. You know, the Trump Tower meeting would be, you know, more of the collusion aspect. But the response to it that he might have been involved in drafting that would be more of, I guess, an obstruction thing if they're if they were potentially lying to the press about what happened, that sort of thing. Well, uh, as you mentioned, James Comey, that was one area where he wouldn't go, right? Yeah. But to me, that that's pretty much at the heart of this investigation. Why did Trump fire James Comey? And was it because 
uh, as he told the Russian ambassador, he just wanted to get this monkey off his back because um, it seemed like he might have something. Right. And Lewandowski apparently also wouldn't answer any questions about his time after he left the campaign. And so discussions he might have had with the president, um, you know, after that point, he would not talk about. And so that might also play into the firing of James Comey, because, of course, Lewandowski wasn't working for the White House at that point, but, you know, still could have been in contact with them. Um, I saw one story that said that Lewandowski may be the last witness called by the House Intelligence Committee. There is some speculation that. Republicans might be looking to wind this investigation down. And some have said, you know, Representative Tom Rooney actually said about a week ago that the investigation is so broken and partisan that it just needs to be shut down. It just needs to end. And so there is some speculation that this might be the last witness that they call. We haven't had any sort of confirmation of that yet. So we'll see what happens. But it's a rumor at this point. Yeah. And what have they accomplished. So they've interviewed, you know, dozens and dozens of people. Uh, this investigation, however, though, ha- they haven't really requested documents, financial information from FinCEN, for instance. They they haven't done, you know, things that you might expect an investigation to do in these cases. And so they've interviewed a lot of people. Yeah. Well, we remember they got off to a very rocky start, right? Yeah. The whole thing blew up almost permanently uh, in the first few weeks with Devin Nunez and his big announcement about all the special or shocking information that he had just discovered. One couldn't wait to tell the White House. It turns out this he was just relaying stuff the White House had told him. He has to recuse himself. So at that time, we thought the whole thing was over. Then they kind of got back on track, uh, sort of, kind of, right? Uh, and now they're just sort of winding out to a close without, again, as you say, not not much happening in between. Yeah, and Nunez, he was supposed to recuse himself, but he never fully did. No, well, he comes out with this memo. That's the last <laughs> sign of this committee, uh, this total disarray yeah. with the battling, the dueling memos. Oh, the memo, the memo mess was was something. I never really want to hear the word memo again, actually. Yeah, I'm sort of over it. Right, yeah. But... Again, you know, remember with with Donald Trump, once you see this memo, man, this is it. This is going to prove everything I've been saying. It didn't, right? A Democratic memo might have helped more to shoot it down, except they redacted 90% of it, I think, before they released it. They redacted the good stuff. Yeah, right. Right. And um, but with the with the Republican memo memo did reveal, though, that was was that George Papadopoulos was – involved yep. in triggering the investigation, not Carter Page. So that was kind it of interesting. Was, yeah, and that the FBI investigation had been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks before they ever heard about Christopher Steele exactly. and, the, and the so-called um, dossier, right? So so the House Intelligence Committee will have fumbled through, what, a year or so and accomplished nothing. Meanwhile, I haven't heard anything about the Senate Intelligence Committee investigation. Is that still ongoing? What are they doing? It is still ongoing. That is they haven't a, caught any witness for, witnesses for a while. They have, but you probably just haven't heard about them because they don't talk about it. Oh, okay. they're, they're a lot more secretive. They haven't had 
a lot, if any, leaks really recently. There was the whole issue of Warner's text messages, Senator Mark Warner, the, the vice chairman of the committee, his text messages getting leaked to Fox News. But there's been some reporting that that was actually the House Republicans and somehow related to Devin Nunes. And so the Senate Intelligence Committee has been not very leaky. They've been good at keeping what they do under wraps. But they are conducting a more serious investigation. They are requesting financial information from FinCEN on on certain figures, and we've reported about that as well. Um, You know, they've interviewed a lot more people. It's well over 100 people at this point. They just have been dealing with it in a different way. And, And something that's interesting is that when they started their investigation, they decided that the staff of the committee were going to do all of the initial interviews, not the members of the committee, not the senators. Whereas on the House Intelligence Committee, it's the members themselves who do the interviews. Mm -hmm. And that has made the House Intelligence Committee more prone to leaks because then the lawmakers, you know, can go out and and talk Mm -hmm. to reporters. Whereas with the Senate Intelligence Mm -hmm. Committee, Mm -hmm. the senators might not necessarily Mm -hmm. know what a witness Mm -hmm. said. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's helped. That was them pretty smart, actually. Under, it seems to yeah. me, if your goal is to keep it under wraps or to conduct a serious investigation without everything leaking to the media, right? Right. right. And they're so are they? They're ongoing. There's no sign that they're going to be winding down. They do want to get an election security report of some sort out before the midterms really ramp up because they're worried about what could happen with Russian interference and foreign interference in 2018 this year as, you know, voters go to the polls. And they also are going to be holding a public hearing at some point on election security. They haven't said when yet, but this is something that Senator Richard Burr, the chairman of the committee, spoke about at a public hearing a few weeks back. Mm -hmm. So meanwhile, these are like two sideshows, right? The, 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 The big ring, right? The main circus is Robert Mueller. Um, and there are – the White House keeps telling us day in and day out that Mueller's winding down too. This is about – actually, they He's said not. that last year. <laughs> like they know. Like they know, right? Um, and we've said this before. I just got to mention again. If there's one guy in this town, and I think the only person in this town who can keep a secret, it's Robert Mueller. He's done a very good job of that. There have not been many leaks out of his investigation at all. No. Um, and it, it reported this morning somewhere, maybe you did, I saw it, I think, on Politico, that uh, a trial date has been set now for Paul Manafort. I think it's May? July 10. July 10th, okay. Right. Which is another indication that this investigation is not winding down anytime soon, right? Or the Mueller, whatever it is, process is still going to be alive at that time. And that trial will go on for months. And look at think? all the witnesses who are yeah. cooperating as well, according to yes. court documents. Right. What are they cooperating with? I mean, what are they what are they telling Mueller? And Mueller, you would think, if they're cooperating and they're giving him information, he's in the process of chasing that down. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, no, we know Papadopoulos, Michael Flynn, Rick Gates, and maybe I'm sure there are others, but those we know about. I think there's there have been reports this week that George Nader, the kind of this mysterious business guy who was involved in the the meeting in the Seychelles <laughs> this is, is also cooperating right. with Mueller. Yeah, this, is yeah, the, this is like the new thing, the Seychelles The Seychelles. Thing, yeah. just, this is the latest thing that's popped up. So in the Seychelles, it was Eric Prince, right? That, by the way, I know very little about this, but what I do know, I believe, is that Eric Prince, founder of Blackwater, was like Carter Page, traveling around 
representing himself as a, a big close to Trump and a Trump advisor. Whether or not he had any official role or not, I mean, he was presenting himself that way and had this meeting with some Russian officials in the Seychelles. For what purposes? Do we, what do we know beyond that? And so, and who was Nader and why was he there? So Nader was, I think he was, he has a connection to the, <laughs> this gets complicated, the United Arab Emirates were involved in this meeting and yeah. he is connected to them. And so that's that's the connection there. But Prince said to the House Intelligence Committee that he was there to meet with the UAE representatives. They just decided to have a meeting in the middle of the ocean with mm-hmm. the UAE. Mm. And so he flew over there yeah. as one does. Just, they just happened to be in the same resort at the same time. That's what I'm doing this weekend. What's wrong they, with you They guys? met at the bar. You know, crazy the pool, about that? They met at the pool bar. And, yeah, right. I kind of wish my meetings were in uh-huh. the Seychelles as yeah. well. But like, they're not? I'm, come on, BuzzFeed, let's go. Um, so he went there to meet with them. And then he claims that in the process, one of these guys from the UAE said, hey, you know, there's this Russian kind of banker type. You should meet with him. You know, he's going to be in the lobby at some point or in the in the, the hotel bar. And so Prince, Prince says he went and met with this guy who's the head of the Russia Direct Investment Fund. So pretty close, it's, uh, you know, kind of close to the to Putin and the Kremlin. And he says he met with him for about 30 minutes or the time it took for him to drink one beer. And that they just talked about, you know, how it'd be nice if there was a better relationship between Russia and the United States and, you know, the oil and gas industry as well. And that was it. But apparently Nader, according to reports this week, is saying that um, basically some of what Prince said to the House Intelligence Committee was potentially not true. Um, Prince never mentioned that Nader was even there. And Hmm. so, and he was asked exactly who he met with and whatnot. And so there's some questions that are circulating about that right now. Right. Um, When, if and when, Donald Trump meets with Robert Mueller, Mueller has requested that interview what is the latest? It's—I don't know what the latest is. Actually, it, it was—it was big in the headlines a couple of weeks ago. But, but yeah, because and, Trump was saying, "Yeah, he wanted yeah, to do it Mueller sooner the later, let's do it. sooner the better, rather." And then his the attorney said, "Well, not so fast. We have a lot of questions first. We got to resolve. You know, is it live on yeah. tape or is it?" And is it written questions? Is it a combination of the two? And so I haven't heard anything more about that since then. Uh, And certainly this thing will not wind down until there's some communication between. And hasn't hasn't this already been resolved by the Supreme Court? I mean, Bill Clinton didn't want to have to testify. And the Supreme Court said, oh, yes, you do. You're not above the law. So, I mean, what's the question here? I think there's negotiating the terms at this point. You know, what, again, what is it going to be in person? Is it going to be written questions? What are the questions? That sort of thing. Right. Um, so what would your your guess would be that this carries through 2018? I'm talking oh about the Mueller, not the House and Senate. Well, the thing with Mueller is he's so secretive, you never know what he's up to. And so I'm not, I'm not sure, but I would guess several more months at this point, right? at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, Republicans on the Hill, do they seem 
When you talk to them, concerned at all about what might come out of this Mueller investigation? They try not to comment too much on what Mueller is doing, and that might be in part because they also don't know exactly what <laughs> right, he's up right, to. Right. But they kind of say, you know, let Mueller do his job. Let him do his job. And, and we'll, we'll see, do ours. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. Right. There's also the scenario of, let's say Robert Mueller comes back and there's all kinds of charges against the Trump administration and various different players in the Trump administration, and then nothing happens. Like, what? Like there is the, the the Republicans would have to act on some level, but then but what if they don't? Right. I I believe that if the Republicans are in charge, still in charge, when the Mueller let's say the Mueller comes out with a report that's very damning, either on the collusion front, which is I think less likely, but on the obstruction of justice front, not to mention on the financial dealings, which he's also apparently looking into, uh, which I think is. Much more, much, much, much more of a minefield for Donald Trump than the other. But I don't. I, I think it's true. That if if he comes out with a report that is damning on any front of Donald Trump, as long as Republicans are in charge of the House, nothing will happen. You mean in terms of impeachment? Yeah, it's unclear. You know, and the House does tend to be more supportive of Trump. The Senate, you know, Senate Republicans are more likely to break with Trump on any a number yeah. of issues. Yeah, but impeachment starts in the House. Exactly. So. I, I'm not sure. But, you know, we have elections coming up as well. And so what does the makeup of the House become after the 2018 midterms? That's all a question. That's uh, all Robert Mueller, is, I think if a Republicans are in charge of the House, Robert Mueller could come out with a finding that Donald Trump walked out on Fifth Avenue and took a gun and blew somebody away. And they, and they would all say, we, we don't approve of that, but he's still our president or whatever, whatever. I yeah. don't know about that. I mean, this is I think constructive if he behavior, but murdered uh, someone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think the smartest thing Donald Trump ever said was he could do that and get away with it for his base at any rate. Yeah, right. So I was at the Gridiron Dinner a week ago uh, tonight where uh, Donald Trump apologized for being so late getting into the dinner because he said uh, they were late because they couldn't get Jared's, Jared Kushner. Through security, that was a good joke. It was I a laughed. good joke. It was. It was, <laughs> it was very good. You were there, were you? No, but I yeah. saw it on Twitter. So, um, what is it? What is the deal with Jared's security clearance? It's been and downgraded. Ivanka's security clearance. I'm not sure about Ivanka's, but I know for sure Jared's has been downgraded. Neither one of them have a, a full. They, full. Yeah, they're on interim. A lot of people at the White House were on interim security yeah, clearances. Yeah, right. And so, th- but this has raised some concerns on Capitol Hill that you've been reporting on. So the Senate Intelligence Committee, both leaders, both Mark Warner and Richard Burr, have had concerns about the security clearance process for a while now, they've said. And this has kind of provided the the, the jumping off point to deal with this and, and get some momentum brewing on this. So they held a hearing, a public hearing this week about the security clearance process and just how long it takes for people to get a security clearance in this country. There's a backlog of 700,000 background check investigations. So that's 700,000 people waiting for a security clearance. Whoa. It's a lot. Well, where do they work? So it could be in the government. It could be for government contractors. It could be, you know, that type of thing. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, now that I think of it, anybody who works for NSA would have to have a security clearance, right? Mm-hmm. And I imagine for... FBI? I don't even, I don't know. FBI, CIA, DOD. Secret Service. 
uh, there's a whole right. bunch of them. So these are not the all, State Department. not all at the White House, right? Yeah, but. No, it's, it's a widespread yeah. problem. And, and so what's happening at the White House is a manifestation <laughs> of this larger problem <laughs> where it takes so long to get a security clearance. You know, anywhere from 200 to 400 days, they're saying. There are people from Raytheon and, and Mantech, these government contractors who were talking about this at the hearing. Is there concern that it takes too long or they're letting too many people through? They're concerned that it takes too long because they said, you know, most of the people who are applying for this are not – they're not a complicated security threat. It's pretty straightforward. The problem is that this, the process is antiquated. You know, a guy still shows up at your house with a pencil and a pad of paper, apparently, to do updates to the file and to do the interviews originally. And everything is done by mail, even when things are available mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. And so they want to modernize that and, and speed up the process a bit. Right. And they also the, another issue is this thing called reciprocity, where if you get a security clearance at the State Department, it might not apply to the CIA. And hmm. so they want to get that fixed. Yeah. OK. Good. Good work. Good work, Emma. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks okay. for having me. Have a great weekend. And you can follow Emma and all of our good colleagues over at BuzzFeed at BuzzFeed dot com. That does it for us, too, folks. Enjoy the weekend. Don't forget to order your copy of From the Left from our website, BillPressShow.com. Kick back. Enjoy your time with family and friends. Come back and see us this on is Monday. The Bill Press Show. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.